Welcome to Sunday Sermons from the Williamsburg Community Chapel, brought to you by the Chapel Podcast Network. Let's grab our Bibles and open up to the book of Judges, chapter 6, verses 11 through 17. And I'll read verses 12 through 14 for us now, as we prepare to hear from our special guest, Michael Simone, as he brings our final lesson of the year. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? Well, there are things in seminary that they teach you dutifully because you must know these things. And so I had survey of the Old Testament, survey of the New Testament, and hermeneutics. It's just a study of how you interpret scripture. Uh, I studied Greek. But the one thing that they don't teach you, nobody ever tells you this, is that the basic way that you are going to be able to, to make sense of, of scripture in people's lives is you need stories from what your children do. And so I have lots of stories from what Travis has done, uh, what Ashley has done. And I could do a whole Sunday morning just with those stories about Travis. So if you ever want to do that, call me and we'll get that done. Uh, but what they also don't tell you is if your son becomes a pastor, that there's a a reverse to the equation, and then he tells stories about you. And so I was driving my car and listening to one of Travis's messages a few weeks ago, and all of a sudden I heard him trying to teach about how men and women are different, and he uses this in his premarital counseling class. He says, when my mom and dad are in New York, they come out of the front door of a hotel. My dad goes to the left, my mom goes to the right, my dad goes on a search for the best mustard in the world, and my mom goes shopping. So the truth is, uh, I don't search for the best mustard in the world in New York City, but I do search for the best mustard in the world. And I've gone far and wide. I've tasted all kinds of mustard and all kinds of hot dogs. So I'm here to give you the results of my survey to edify you this morning. The winner is Feltman's of Coney Island. Feltman's of Coney Island since 1867. This is the original, and it's got a special little zing to it. If you have the taste buds to discern it, I grew up on Gouldens, as many of you probably did. Uh, I don't do French's. French's really isn't mustard, sorry. Uh, And and yellow mustard, uh, it's not really mustard. But but brown deli mustard, that's it. So uh, I wanted to buy a bunch of it and give it to you this morning put it out at the Welcome Center. But every place, it was sold out across North America. So you'll have to go to Feltman's uh, you know, online. If you just put in Feltman's Coney Island, it'll pop right up and you can have the best mustard in the world. Sooner or later, you get to learn a truth about life. Because sooner or later, we all end up in a mess. And I ended up in a mess on Christmas Eve 
just before I came to the Christmas Eve service here. I was at Little Charlie's. Now, Little Charlie's is a great little place just down the street. They make a homemade soup that's like the best homemade soup you can get in Williamsburg. Uh, we don't even have anything that uh, is as good in Virginia Beach. This is just great soup. And so we were early uh, on our trip up from Virginia Beach to come to the Christmas Eve service, Gail and I. And I said, how about we stop at Little Charlie's, we'll get the soup, and then we'll be all set. That'll be our dinner. Then we can go to the, to the service. She said, yes. So we went in and sat down. I ordered two soups. And they were having a special chicken uh, with egg in it and noodles. It was just fabulous soup uh, the way that it, that it looked. Uh, but I never actually saw it because it never came. Ordered two soups. I'm watching my watch. Soup doesn't come. Soup doesn't come. Clock is ticking. Soup doesn't come. I'm thinking about we've got to get into the service. We've got to get there on time. We've got to get in our seats. Soup doesn't come. Soup doesn't come. Finally, I order a piece of Sicilian pizza, those big chunky square things. I peel off the cheese. I just eat the bread and the sauce. I, ha- I didn't even finish it. The soup didn't come. The soup didn't come. Finally, I said, we have to get to the service at the chapel. I'll just have to see you later. And I left. I didn't pay for anything. I didn't pay for soup. I didn't pay for a drink. I didn't pay for the pizza. Nothing. And I, and I came here, and I hid out at the chapel. And I kept looking over my shoulder, waiting to see if they called the police on me. Am I going to be pulled out of the service? It would be very embarrassing to Travis and Nina and the girls if I get pulled out of the service in handcuffs. But, but they didn't. I, I, I kept a low profile, and they didn't find me. So now I'm a, a fugitive from justice. You know, I, I owe money to little Charlie's. I'm here in Williamsburg. So what did I do? And somebody after the first service said, you didn't say what you did. So here's what I did. I went back to little Charlie's and I paid. I went back and I paid. I paid for my sins. I confessed my sins. And we did that the way it should have been done. But sooner or later, we all end up in a mess. Let me tell you a story this morning about a man who ended up in a mess. He's in a mess. He's threshing wheat in a wine press, trying to fly under the radar. You say, how, how do you fly under the radar in a wine press? A wine press is underground, or it's in a, in a secluded space, or it could be in a cave, and nobody can see you, uh, and he's threshing wheat in there. It's not designed for that. You're supposed to thresh wheat in the open air so that the chaff can be blown away. So he's obviously hiding. He's hiding from the Midianites. He's trying to keep a low profile like I was. He's trying to stay out of harm's way. The Midianites were like ravaging Israel. Uh, Their mess was to create a mess in everybody's lives. The Midianites derived, descended from Abraham and his second wife, Keturah. Sarah had passed away. Abraham married Keturah. Midian was one of their sons, and and they didn't turn out too well. So here he is hiding out. He's in the wine press, and then it happened. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon's sort of taken aback by this because he knows that he's, he's a nobody. Uh, Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now 
the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. We are in a mess. I'm in a mess. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? And then, you know, Gideon says how he feels. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. It's like Gideon is saying, my team, the Detroit Pistons, we haven't won a game in a long, long time. And, and, and I'm not even, I, I, I suit up, I sit on the bench. I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, the Lord answered, the Lord answered. I will be with you. I have a good friend, his name is Dean Trulier. He is a professor at Howard University, Dr. Dean Trulier. And, and he, he sends out tweets all the time. Like every single day I get a tweet from Dean Trulier. And uh, he tweets it out or he X's it out. Uh, and I look forward to seeing what he's going to say, what he's going to show. And so he texts this sign out the other day. God has already prepared the way. He's just preparing you. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you. God has already planned the way. He's just preparing you. The action in this passage is in the questions, as it is in so many stories in the Bible. I love the questions. Why has all this happened? We all have this happen to us sooner or later where we go, why is this happening? How did this happen? How did I get here? Why did they do that? Why didn't they do that? How am I going to get out of this? Why has this happened? Where are all God's big moves? Where are God's big moves? I pray, where are God's big moves? God sometimes says yes. God sometimes says no. God sometimes says wait. And maybe that's why he said no, because he says wait. And then God says, this is a big one. Sometimes God says grow. Where are all the big moves? Sometimes the big move is for you to grow. And then he says, how can I do it? I can't do it. I'm the weakest. My team is the weakest. And the answer to that is, you can't. You can't. He can. God has one big question in the equation of questions. His one big question is, am I not sending you? One more question that came out of Gideon's heart was, Will you give me a sign? And that is going to be you know, a big part of the story. I once had the opportunity to, to meet with somebody that I never expected I was going to meet with because I was leaving the hospital and I was halfway out the door and God spoke to me and said, turn around and go back down the hall. I turned around. I went back down the hall. When I got to the end of the hall, there was a teenager about 16, seated at a table, and I said, can I help you? She looked at me and she said, 
I'm praying that God will give me a sign. I said to her, I am the sign. And I was at that moment in her life. So then God, God has this one big question. Am I not sending you? Am I not sending you? God is saying in the Michael Simone translation, which is even farther out than the message ever goes, I will be with you, and that includes your mess. You see, God has already prepared the way. He's just preparing you. In a Harvard Business Review article, the July-August 2022 issue, there was a great story about four ways of looking at life. The first way is through a telescope. When you look through a telescope, you're trying to, to get a view of something that's so far away, uh, you, you want to try to define it a little bit better. Uh, we have that great space telescope now that's way out beyond where the Hubble ever went, and we're getting all these images back, but it's a, it's a telescopic view. It's a very different kind of a view. Then there's a kaleidoscope view. Uh, when you look in a kaleidoscope, you don't really uh, get anything that's gonna, you can build your life on, but you get like artistic designs, you get colors, you get something that might give you a little sense of joy. There's a microscopic view. You look through a microscope. I remember the first time I looked through a microscope. I bought this little microscope that was like a pen at the Museum of Natural History in New York City when I was in the fifth grade, we went on a field trip. So now I have my own personal little microscope. And I went and I put it down on a Dick Tracy comic book. And I looked and I found out that the Dick Tracy comic book was just a lot of tiny colored dots and you couldn't even see a face. It was just dots, 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 dots. So that's another way of looking at things through a microscope. But finally, there is a panoramic way of seeing things. And that's when you get the big picture. That's when you get the, the, the wide angle view. You see it from east to west. And finally, maybe you understand what it's all about. Gideon was trying to get this panoramic picture. And so he, he says, God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand as you said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece, wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. He wanted to, to, to call it Mountain Dew, but he didn't. Bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me to, let me one more test with the fleece, but this time make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. That night God did so. Only the fleece was dry and all the ground was covered with dew. See, God has an investment in us. He has an investment in you. He wants to get you where you have to go to do his will, to be his person, to make his word known, to make his light known, to make Jesus Christ known. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered with dew. When I was the assistant pastor at the Virginia Beach Community Chapel, I needed a sign. I needed a sign. I'd been invited 
to speak at the National Association of Single Adult Leaders, which was that year going to be in Pasadena, California, at the Crystal Cathedral. I'm invited. But I wasn't going to get an honorarium. I wasn't going to get expenses. I just had to get there myself if I wanted to do my breakout session. And I really wanted to go, but I thought, I have a big problem. I don't have the money to pull this off. I don't have the money to make this happen. And then I got a phone call. phone call was from Regent University, and they were having the prayer breakfast for the Neptune Festival. The Neptune Festival happens every year in Virginia Beach. It's a way that they extend the season of, of coming to the beach. The tourists are all, have all gone home. Kids have all gone back to school. And now uh, the locals can come down. They put up all these food booths and craft booths on the oceanfront. And it's, it's a pretty big deal. And it lasts for a whole week. And they have other events that are associated with it. And one of the events is a Neptune Festival prayer breakfast. Uh, and, uh, and so it was at Regent University. They said, we would like you to say the prayer at the breakfast and our guest speaker this year is Robert Schuler from the Crystal Cathedral. I said, that's my sign. That's it. You know, God is just showing up here. And so I, 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 I'm all excited. I can't wait for, for the day to come. And it arrives. I go out to Regent University to the Founders Inn. And, and there's Robert Schuler. He's, he's 6'4", shocking white hair, you know, cuts an impressive figure there. And, and, and I'm excited for the moment when I get to speak to him. And so we line up to go in to get on the, at the head table, which is a raised table. And, uh, and I, I got his attention. I said, Dr. Schuler, uh, uh, Michael Simone, I, I just want you to know I got invited to speak at the Crystal Cathedral. But I have a problem. I'm not sure how I'm going to pull that off. I'm not sure... I'm going to get there. I just don't have the, the resources to do that. And he, he looked at me intently. I got that intent pastoral look. And then this is what Robert Schuller did. He just walked away from me. He just walked away. And I felt pain in my heart. I felt I was left in the dust of Bobby Schuller, just left in the dust. And then it happened. He stopped, turned around, took a couple steps back, looked me right in the eye, and he said this, you don't have a problem. You just have to make a decision. And then we went in. I prayed. He spoke. Last words Robert Schuller ever said to me. Only words Robert Schuller ever said to me. You don't have a problem. You just have to make a decision. So I went back to the Virginia Beach Community Chapel, and I made a decision. I said out loud to nobody in particular, except maybe God a little bit, I'm going. I'm going. I'm going to go to the National Association of Single Adult Leaders. I'm going to go to Pasadena, California. I'm going to do my breakout session at the Crystal Cathedral. But I had nothing. I still couldn't pull it off. Nothing had happened, really. But I made a decision. In the fall of, of each year, I invented this, this coming back to church after the school year, and I called it homecoming. And so we did it as a ministry. And so everybody came, and we did all different kinds of activities with kids and with families, and, and, and it, was, it really went very, very well. And I always invited a speaker, a guest speaker, to come for that Sunday. And this year, I invited somebody, and his name was Terry. And when he got there, he said, hi, I'm Terry. I'm from Pasadena, California. 
I said, well, Terry, that's really interesting because I got invited to speak. And almost before I got the words out of my mouth, he said, hey, you can stay in my apartment. As a matter of fact, you can have my apartment uh, for the weekend. And if you will drive me to the airport, because I have a speaking engagement, if you'll drive me to the airport, you can have my car. So now I have his car, a Mercedes-Benz. I have a Mercedes-Benz and an apartment in Pasadena, California. I just have to get there. So I went in to the interim pastor at the time, Maury Cottle had stepped down, and Larry Schof was the assistant pastor, the interim pastor. And, uh, and I said, Larry, I just need a plane ticket to go speak at the National Association of Single Adult Leaders. He said, that's fine. The church will do that for you. And so I was there. I just needed a sign. And sometimes we need a sign like that. And it can be one of the most important signs in your life. But there are some questions for your mess that comes out of this story also. What has God clearly told you to do that is way outside of your comfort zone? You feel like, I'm the weakest. I don't think I can do this. God, why'd you, why'd you put this in front of me? God, why'd you ask me to get involved in this ministry, in this mission, with this, with this class, with this Bible study? What has God clearly told you to do that is way outside your country? God, why did you ask me to give this? Why did you ask me? Have you asked God for a sign? And you can't ask for a sign for everything. Some things you just know you're supposed to do. They're just etched into the fabric of your life. But have you asked God for a sign when it's really an appropriate time to say, God, can you show up in a way through a person, it's usually a person, or it's a scripture, or it's something that you're reading from a Christian author. Um, God, can you show up in a, in a specific way to show me I'm going in the right direction? Do you believe God is with you? Do you believe he is walking with you? Do you believe what it says right up there behind me? You are the vine. We are the branches. I'm the vine. You are the branches. And we can't do anything without him. Have you made the decision to move forward? You don't have a problem. You just have to make a decision. In February, I was at the Dallas Cowboys training facility in Dallas, Texas. I'm not a Cowboys fan. Uh, they won last night by a point. I'm happy for them. I'm happy for Dak. I want, I want, I want to see him get there. Uh, but I'm a Giants fan, okay, and I've always been since I was, since I was young. Uh, so I was at their training facility. It is the most amazing facility that you could ever imagine. One word hangs loudly in the air everywhere from the moment you approach. They've got banners. The banners all say resilience. And the whole idea here is winning. How are we going to win? When are we going to win? What are we going to do to win? As you get inside, there's a whole wall, and the wall says five Super Bowl wins. It's a lot bigger than that. It expands to the whole wall. Five, it's like they want to intimidate you. Five Super Bowl wins. There's another sign over here. It says, train like a cowboy. And then they have a pristine football field right in the middle of the facility. 
It is pristine. It is beautiful. So that when they have a meeting and they say, Dak, what do you think about this play? Do you think this will work? They go, well, let's go out and just try it right now. And just go out there in T-shirts and shorts and just run the play and run it a bunch of times. It's a football field that nobody plays on right in the middle of the facility just for fun. Downstairs is a huge food court. It is amazing. And then there's this sign outside of this team room that says, we will out-hit every team we play. And everybody signed it. We will out-hit every team we play. We are in this to win. So I go in. One thing you have to know about me when I'm on a tour, I was on a tour with a, with a group. Uh, I'm not very good on tours. Uh, usually what I end up doing is I go on my own tour and I usually get in trouble that way, but it's just how, just how I am. And so, so the tour is going down, down the hallway and I see this sign, we will out everything. And I walk in, I walk into the inner sanctum of the Dallas Cowboys where they, they plan strategy, they have plays, you can see a play up there. Uh, and, and, and they have all this philosophy of what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. Greatest predictors of success, focus, passion, mental toughness. Where do you want to go? Do you have the mindset needed to handle the journey? Where do you want to go? And the big question, how badly do you want to get there? And all of a sudden, I heard this voice say, I was taking pictures like crazy. And this voice outside, the tour guide saying, don't take any pictures in there. It was too late. I already emailed it all to the New York Giants. <laughs> Done. Over. Which didn't help the Giants because they got beat bad in September, the first game of the season. Dallas came into New York and just blew them off the field. But, but here's where this really goes. How badly do you want to get there? Asking God for a sign. You know, whatever is going on in your life right now, you know, your current theme is you will never know who Jesus is until you follow Jesus where he goes. You will never know who Jesus is until you follow Jesus where he goes. But there's a question. How badly do you want to get there? Is it just out there in the lobby on a sign? Is it something that you heard somebody say? How badly do you want to get there with Jesus? C.S. Lewis, who wrote The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, put it this way in, in his story about Aslan. Uh, the beaver, you know, says Aslan uh, is a lion, the great lion. And C.S. Lewis had the the wisdom and the grace to picture Jesus as a lion. Aslan is a lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he, he was a man. Is he quite safe? Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king. Safe. You're never going to know who Jesus is until you follow Jesus where he goes. And he's not going to be safe. 
He's going to take you at your weakest. He's going to take you when you don't know where you are and when you don't know where you're going. He's going to call you into something that's bigger than you, that you can only do because of who he is. And so where does Gideon end up in the Bible? He jumps way out of Judges 6 all the way into Hebrews chapter 11. Let me read it to you. And what more shall I say? And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon. I don't have time to tell you about Gideon. Barak, Samson, and Jephthah about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword whose weakness, whose weakness was turned to strength. Whose weakness was turned to strength. I don't have time to tell you about Gideon, the 40 years that he was a judge and all that happened. In 2024, my friends, what is God going to do in you and through you? Will you follow Jesus Christ where he goes? Will you go to the person you need to go to and say, I'm sorry? Will you go deeper into community here at the chapel than you've ever gone before? Will you answer the call to sacrificial giving for ministry and mission? Because God is going to do something amazing when you step up and you do that. And you'll see that. Will you set worship as a priority, not just on Sunday, but every single day of the week? Paul said, here's what I want you to do. Take your everyday ordinary life, your eating, sleeping, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Will you fix that thing inside of you that's broken? Will you finally fix that inside broken place in your life and let God's healing touch be at work in your heart, in your soul. In 2024, will you hear the echo of the angel of the Lord who said, am I not sending you? It's what I'm doing with you. I'm I'm weak, God, my team is weak. Am I not sending you? And will you hear the echo of a team room in Dallas, Texas, where on the board it says, how badly do you want to get there? This, my friends, is a story of your life. Not just Gideon's story, it's a story of your life. God has already prepared the way. He's just preparing you. Thank you for joining us today. Here at the Williamsburg Community Chapel, we are all about making disciples of Jesus Christ. So wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we hope you will take up this call of Jesus to follow me as we consider these disciplines for disciples.